Because people see me and they go, are you really that person? I had a woman, I introduced myself, hi, I'm Brett Ryan from Focus on the Family Australia. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm thinking, who am I? She goes, well, you're not Brett Ryan. So I said, close your eyes. And she closed her eyes and said, this is Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. And she goes, you are him. <laughs> Have you ever read a book and then they make it into a movie and it's not quite right? I wasn't quite right. She pictured someone really old very wise, I thought. But then a guy, a young man, tapped me on the shoulder, 14 years of age. He goes, you're Brett Ryan, aren't you? I said, yes. My mum makes me listen to you every day. <laughs> and then walks off. But we also, <laughs> you know, you're never too sure who might be listening. And one I, I got this phone call from somebody who heard me, and I won't use all the language that he used, but he, it sounded like this. I've got tears in my eyes, mate. I've got tears in my eyes. That's the best radio I've ever heard. I've got tears in my eyes, mate. I've got to tell my trucking mates to listen to your radio station because I've got tears in my eyes. So you... I'm very, very, very humbled. To, you're never too sure who might be listening at the right time. In fact, on this tour that I've been doing, I was in Perth, and a man came up to me, and he says, you saved my marriage. And I said, tell me more. And he goes, I was leaving my wife. I had my bags packed, and I was hopping in the car, and you came on the radio. And you said something like, it's worth fighting for your marriage. It may be difficult, but it's worth the fight. And he was so convicted that he got out of his car, grabbed his bag, went back into his wife and said, I'm not leaving, we're gonna sort this out. And 12 months later, they renewed their wedding vows and now he has become a Christian counselor. All the power of the radio. So radio is one way. We actually started a YouTube channel. So if you'd like to see, I know I've got a face for radio. I know, I know, I know. And goodness, I thought this was a safe place. He laughs really loudly. Anyway, and other ways we do it, I actually, uh, we write a weekly tip on families and relationships. And if you would like to receive that weekly tip, I'm going to hand out a blick clipboard and write legibly. Don't write in Chinese or Mandarin or Cantonese or anything like that. Just write legibly and I'm going to, um, and I'll put those into our database. Or otherwise you can get out your smartphones now and sign up for our weekly tip. And it's that weekly tip. Everyone's attention span is only as long as about a gnat the attention stand of a gnat. So we do things that only last for about a minute. Our YouTube is a minute. Our radio is often a minute. We have a 25-minute program as well. We've got our podcast. We've got our, an app that you can download all of our US and Australian content. And if you'd like to receive a weekly tip, and it might be something that you need to read, or you could share that with your family or friends, it could be the thing that will turn their relationships around or their family around. So I'm going to pass it around. Make sure I get it back. But you know, and I'm, you don't have to write in it, but I am watching if you don't, all right? <laughs> Other ways that we do, you would have received on the way in just a little bit about focus on the family, and we are a donor-supported ministry, and just rest assured that when you, if, if you do give towards focus on the family, and I know there's plenty of organizations, we are reaching millions of people that 
may never ever enter into a church building, but then the radio becomes their community. And it may be the words that they need to save a marriage or to help a parent in crisis or help someone who's navigating some of a, an addiction or some other uh, life-threatening disorder. And so that's what Focus on the Family is all about. And um, so the other things we've done is uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you all a gift, all right? I'm not a rich organisation, but I want to be a generous organisation. And I'm going to share that a bit later on. Um, Sometimes uh, if you're involved in a school community or or even in this church community, we actually have just started to launch a new thing called a Focus Champion, just to have people represent us wherever they may be. And we would give them resources when it comes out the latest. In actual fact, last week, I um, I filmed a, a new resource about talking about early parenting. It's yet to be come out. It's going to be a free online resource from the naught to five-year-olds area. So that's uh, going to be coming out really, really shortly. Um, last year was uh, National Families Week, and I put together a series of cards. And at the back, if you'd like to, uh, uh, right at the back of the info desk, there's some white envelopes. And there's a whole series of cards about how to talk to your kids about some of the big issues before society does. And it's better for you to be proactive rather than reactive. That's available. And there's also a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. You use your imagination of what that could be. But this is a picture book that you would go through a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old about some of the information that would be really important because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when your children will be exposed to different things. I would encourage you to consider that. That's $20. And that's all my infomercials because the most important thing is my own family is here. This is I've been married for 28 years to the same woman in a row. (laughs) And we have three young men. And um, so this was taken 20 years ago. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And uh, so they're Taylor, Lachlan and Cameron, TLC, one, two and three. We name them so we got T-shirts made so I can always do a roll call. Um, But they are a delight. They are a really delight. But then last year, I turned 50 years of age. And my parents want... Oh, not my parents. My my boys wanted to buy something really special for me. But I'm not very easy to buy for. So they put their heads together to give me the greatest gift you could ever imagine. They, seven months in the making, they reenacted my favourite movie. And they filmed it. And every camera angle, every line, every song, they played. And would you like to see what it is? All right. This is what it was. The Three Amigos. (laughs) I've never laughed so much and cried at the same time when the credits came up. Because I just assumed it was the movie. Because it was Christmas Eve. That's my birthday. And the Christmas Eve, and, and, and I was ready to watch it. And the credits came up, and then it said Taylor Ryan. Lachlan Ryan, Cameron Ryan, and then the old woman, Kate Ryan, my wife, but she never got onto it. But, and uh, so that was the absolute delight. And, uh, and my eldest son got married this year to a, a beautiful woman, and uh, we're, we're delighted, delighted with it. But I claim full responsibility for getting them married because when I was a kid's pastor, we started a new site and over in the city of Casey, and I had no leaders. The only leaders that I could have were all the kids graduating from grade six to year seven. So I invested a lot of energy into the year sevens, and then the year eights, and the year nines. And there's this one young lady that was very impressive, and her name was Sylvia. My son was 11 or 12 at the time. But I went up to, and she was 15. And so I went up to her mother, and I said, do you believe in arranged marriages? (laughs) 
And she said, if it's one of your sons, yes. <laughs> so they hadn't met until last year and my second son knew her really well and, they, and he was the ultimate wingman and got them connected and they met and fell in love and so this is our crazy family and we love family we just love family and so i'm delighted to be able to share with you in this family altar series and because i mean as a kids pastor my favorite verse was deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says to love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and then it says and impress them upon your children when you're getting up in the morning when you're going along you're driving along to soccer and oh that's the first that's a modern day version um when you just do life together and that's when you can impress them because your home your home is really the first glimpse of god for your children it's where they actually see mum and dad and it's the you are the image bearers of God. And whatever happens in families actually helps your children navigate who God really is. But we also know that life is very difficult. And so the Bible is very clear about how we can do families well together. And I could talk a lot about healthy families and healthy relationships I'm not going to be able to download it all because you need to pack up and leave today, don't you? And, um, but I am going to be able to give you some examples from the Word of God. I've actually entitled today's message called Peace Talks. Peace Talks. So I'm going to get started. I'm going to pray and then we'll get right into it. Father God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, this last service for FGAM and here. And uh, to be here together, united, and having a family service because family is where it all starts. Father, I pray just a blessing upon this message. May it be a challenge to all of us. May we leave today thinking and acting a little bit differently from when we arrived. I pray a blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. See, the thing is, when you go and look for healthy families in the Bible... And you search, and I've done it. I've searched them all. Guess what? There are none. There are no examples of healthy families in the Bible. And even if we know a little bit about them, we don't know enough about them to find out how good they are. So what I thought I'd do is I'm going to do dysfunctional families in the Bible, all right? And see, to make you feel a little bit better about yourselves. All right, here we go. The first family, Adam and Eve. I mean, there was a lot of lying deception. And then we see true sibling rivalry. Boys and girls, don't throw rocks at your brothers or sisters because things can go wrong. Then we see Abraham. Abraham was the man. He was the man. And he was told he was going to have some children to his old and decrepit wife. And he couldn't wait any longer, so then he did some other things and got his maidservant pregnant. And then that's a happy blended family right there, because you can imagine. Not good. And then we see his own son, Jacob. He had twin boys, and they had real sibling rivalry. And then he also noted that there was a bit of favoritism going on as well. And that's not good, mums and dads. Don't show favourites. Love them all equally. And all the kids said, Amen. And then Jacob got his just desserts after he deceived his brother, because lying's not good, deception's not good. Then he meets the girl of his dreams, and he has to work for it for seven years. And then 
when he's there at the altar to say, I do, his uncle tricked him and then he had to marry the ugly sister. <laughs> and then he had to work another seven years to get the good-looking girl. And can you imagine family mealtimes there? You're beautiful. You're not. Not good. Not good. Then we actually have um, Jacob's family, and Jacob had uh, more... Well, actually, he, he had... Um, Jacob had 12 boys, and those 12 boys, he was very, very busy, and he didn't get the idea about showing favourites, and then they love the fact, they love the fact that Joseph didn't have to do all the chores. They love that. And they loved it so much... When he got new clothes, they loved that. They loved him so much that they put him into a pit and then they sold him into slavery. And then they lied to their mums and dad. Oh, yeah, lied, lied, lied. Lying's not good, boys and girls. Don't do it. Because mums and dads will find out. But they didn't find out for years. And as a result, then... They had to lie to their father that they said that their brother had been killed. Lying's not good. Then we see King David, a man after God's own heart. And he was looking where he shouldn't have been looking. He did more than just looking because I was a kid's pastor. I won't go into any details. But did more than looking and got a girl pregnant. And then he had to result in an assassination of this man not good and then we have Solomon the wisest man in the world and it says he had 300 wives enough said (laughs) and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you this this is a true story all right and this is a safe place don't tell anyone else all right but I have lost my kids in a supermarket I have got that off my chest I have lost my kids. But I knew straight away, I knew immediately that I lost my kids. And I found them very quickly. Well, maybe an hour or so, but no, 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 no. I found them as quickly and humanly possible. But Jesus' family, Mary goes up to Joseph. Have you seen Jesus? He goes, I thought you had him. I haven't seen him for a couple of days. And she says to Joseph, I thought you had him. I haven't seen him for three days. Does anyone feel a little bit better about their functional, dysfunctional family at the moment? Even in the Bible, there is a lot of dysfunction. But yet, in the Bible, it's also got some hints and some guidelines of how we are to live. Fast forward to the 21st century, we actually see there's chaos. We see challenges. We see problems. And we can look outside in society and say, hey, it's not going so well. But then we actually have to look at our own backyards and actually think and realise that our own backyards aren't doing so well. There's conflict, there's disunity, there's disharmony, there's fighting, siblings fighting. Any siblings fight here? Anyone? Yes? So they're not very honest here, are they? No, no. Who loves their brothers and sisters? They're not even answering that too. What's this interactivity? Because siblings just know how to annoy each other. They just know. They They know how to which buttons to push just because they can. They know which buttons to push to mums and dads just because they can. 
and we actually see mums and dads in conflict and disharmony. Not, not at this church, other churches. <laughs> but yet we can see out in society that there is a lot of chaos, but even in our own backyards we can actually have chaos. It is not as peaceful as it could be. Yet it's quite ironic that that's not God's desire for us. It actually says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It actually says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. It actually says we need to, on the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And actually the armor of God says that's the shoes of peace. It's a lot of things about peace, but yet he doesn't want us to live in this unpeaceful state, but yet we do find ourselves in an unpeaceful state. In fact, when Jesus was here on earth, he was talking to his disciples before he was going to be um, assassinated onto a cross. He was crucified. He was blatantly abused and disrespected and devalued as a human being. And he was the prince of peace. And he actually was talking to his disciples and he says, you know, it's good that I'm going to go away because the peace I leave, leave with you, my peace I give you, I don't give to you as the world gives. It's a supernatural peace. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a peaceful situation all the time. It means that even though when there's chaos, whenever there's fighting, whenever there's conflict, God is sending his Holy Spirit to give us a sense of his peace. But then why are we having so many problems? And in my experience, in my area of expertise, I actually see there's about three areas, and this is by no means exhaustive, but the three things that I find is that people are jolly lazy. They're just lazy. They can't be bothered. And it takes work. I have discovered that the only person you can control is the person you see in a mirror. You can't control how everyone else is going to respond. You can't re respond. You can't, re uh, you can't control how they're going to react around you, your kids, your spouse, your work colleagues, even people in church. The only person you can control is you, the person in the mirror. And if we learn to control the person in the mirror, we have a better chance of controlling other things. But there's some things that are beyond control, but you can still control it. So it starts with you. We've got to get out of our laziness model. But the, the, the verses in the Bible say this. It says this. And if you see a word underlined, you've got to repeat it with me. All right? It says this. Make every to live in peace. Romans 14, 19 says, let, uh, let us therefore make every effort. And Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's got to take, it's got to start with us. It takes work. Oh man, it takes work, but it is worth it. But everyone here is going to have different ways of doing things. Your family of origin, the way that you were brought up, has a tendency to influence the way that you do life. 
The way that you observed mum and dad, the way that you observed them as husband and wife, the way that they dealt with stress, the way that they dealt with finances, the way that they dealt with conflict, the way they dealt with everything, you're actually observing it. Unless you make an intentional decision to do things differently, you tended to default to the things that you're familiar with. And you might have said things like, I will never be like my mother. I will never be like my father. Unless you're making the effort and intentional, you tended to default to the things that you're familiar with. And then you might have said, well, that's the way that we do life. But, you know, that's not always the way that God wants to do it because you're not always, and again, there'll be different, different experiences in this room about how they were role-modelled family and how they were role-modelled relationships. So that's the first thing, laziness. It takes you effort. The second one is having an expectation that is not being met. People go in with an expectation of what their family is meant to look like. And then you can compare and contrast and look at other people. And especially if we look at social media, oh man, everyone's living in a virtual world and thinking, oh, look at that family. They look so happy. I want to be like them. You know, we, live, we have to look after our own world, not what everyone else is doing. Because I have met people... Honestly, I've met people who post things on social media and I know them personally and I've been helping support them and they're posting things that are just not reality. But it makes them look like happy families and happy relationships and it's not always the case. We should real And so the only thing you can do is how, what are your expectations in your household? If you have a very low bar, you'll probably succeed. If you have a high bar, it's something to aspire to. But the trouble is sometimes we have a too high a bar and it's never going to meet our expectations and then we get frustrated. People get married and they go, oh, we're going to be oh, wonderful, we're never going to fight, we're going to be loving each other and they romance and then they get married and they're, oh, I don't want to do anything for you. <laughs> and then we have this high expectation, we're not meeting them and then we get disfrust- frustrated, dissatisfied and annoyed and ticked off when things don't meet our standard. And then we might have, as kids, we might have an expectation of what mums and dads are doing. And then they go, they're so cruel. They're so mean. They just don't want me to do anything because you have an expectation. And your mums and dads said no. You know what the best thing your kids can hear often is no. I know mums and dads, you would like to say it more often. I would like you to lift your game and say no more often. And the other things is about kids is not actually asking for all the time having an expectation and a feeling entitled for everything that is around there, the latest gadget and the latest clothing, the latest stuff like that, because we have this high expectation. If we don't get all the things that we want, we get dissatisfied and disgruntled, and that's where we get into sorts of problems. And then, in fact, the Scriptures actually say this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, you had an expectation, but you don't get it. So you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. The scripture is very clear. We have this reason why we have so much conflict and unpeace in the situation in our households and our families is because we had an expectation of not being met. But that's not what I'm going to be talking about. That's my opening remarks. I'm going to land on this area and it's in the area of communication. When you don't have good communication, things fall away. The tongue is incredibly powerful. It says in the book of Proverbs, it has the power of life and of death. The book of James talks about the tongue, how it actually is like a little 
a spark that starts a forest fire. It actually is like a, a rudder in a ship to turn a big ship or a bit in a horse's mouth. It's very, very powerful. And it is one that we can actually use to tear down or we can use it to build up. The scriptures also say that actually we can praise God and we can also do damage. The same tongue that can do so much good can also do so much damage. I was a nurse, as many of you know, when I was opening opening remarks, and I know that if someone had a broken bone, I would put a plaster on it, and I know in six weeks I take the plaster off, that bone will heal, and it will be so well healed, it will never, ever break in that exact same spot ever again. That's the way that God has designed us. It's an extraordinary thing. It is extra, extra, super, 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 super glue. Fantastic. But I know that after that bone is healed, it will be okay if it's healed and aligned properly. But I know people who have had words, not just six words, six weeks shared or six months ago or six years ago, maybe decades ago, and the words still hurts. Words have power. How you communicate How do you talk in your household? How you actually respond, not react. We have to learn to respond, not react. And our volume and our tone and our inflections. And we can't communicate really well on two-dimensional text messages because it doesn't have emotional intelligence there. It doesn't actually have sarcasm and empathy. If you talk to people, look them in the eye and talk with one another. Because the words have power and meaning. How you talk to one another in your household has a very big part to play. But we also know whenever there are two or more people in a room together, whether it's mums and dads, whether it's kids and kids, whether it's kids and their parents, there's always going to be a potential for conflict, misunderstanding and miscommunication. We understand that. We understand that there's going to be problems. However, conflict is not a bad thing. What is the key is how you resolve those conflicts. And there's a healthy way and there's a not a healthy way. And our words have a very, very big part to play in how we communicate that. So words are really powerful. You know that that expression, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me? It's a stupid saying. It is. Because words do hurt. How are you talking in your household? How are you communicating? Sometimes some families, and depending on what it is, some families are very verbal and very out there. Other families are very quiet. It's not a, a, a wrong or a right. There's no, but how you communicate. Sometimes when there is conflict, people go shut down and we don't talk about it. We pretend it's just we'll sleep under the rug. But yet the conflict is still going to be there. You need to still resolve the issues. That's a whole other message. But the way that we need to look at it, and I've got a whole lot of ideas that can talk about this. The book of James, I love the book of James because it's very, very practical. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, that's you and I, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We have two ears, one mouth. We should use it in that ratio. (laughs) We need to listen, learn to listen to one another. And mums and dads, I'm going to say this. 
Learn to listen to your kids. You have wise experience. You have years of life experience. But they're going to try and find out for themselves. And it's all very well because you know the answers. But learning to listen to your kids, for them to have their self-discovery and learning to uh, uh, come to their own aha moment is actually a good life lesson. So value that opportunity when you can really listen to them and what's going on in their worlds. That family should be able to share anything and everything and not be judged or having opinion or feeling blame or guilt or shame, whatever. We should be able to ask every and anything question. Kids should be able to say those things because your house should be a haven. And how is the haven in your household? Is it so people can be transparent and vulnerable without judging? But we need to learn to listen to one another and we also need to know how to, when we do speak, we watch our tone, our volume and not be sarcastic and cynical. We need to be building each other up. It says in Thessalonians, and there's lots of verses on this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. When was the last time you thanked your spouse for just being your spouse? When was the last time you thanked your mums and dads for keeping you alive? Because it's touch and go. I remember when our boys were very little, I rang up my wife and I said, I'm just leaving work now. Is there anything you can be picked up? She goes, get home in 30 minutes. I said, what's wrong? She goes, if you're not home in 30 minutes, which one do you want to keep? I said, well, the, the... the nicest one. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. Which choose? Because <laughs> the other two are going on the nature trip with a sign free to a good home. <laughs> it's a challenge being a mum and dad. When did you just thank them and show appreciation? Because that is encouraging. It says in the Hebrews, it says, Whatever, whenever it's possible, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So we should do it on a daily basis, encouraging each other, showing appreciation to our spouses just for the and and mums and dads. When was the last time you thanked your kids for just who they are, not for what they do, for just who they are? If we do that right, it sets a tone and a volume that it just speaks louder than words. It sets a, a, an environment where people feel safe and secure and without conflict. It means that when there is conflict, which is inevitable, it can actually be done in a healthy way. So how are you going in the way that you build each other up in your household? And I found this is sort of four different types of communication in households. And sometimes it can be very superficial. We happen even in the church, it can happen in work, it happens, but it can happen in, in families. And it's, it's a small talk, very superficial, it doesn't go anywhere. Then it's sometimes when it goes with the administrative tasks, and I know the administrative tasks are very, very important. It's really important to know who picks up the meals and who picks up the, who's going to do the jobs around the household. They're administrative tasks. And I know when my boys were little, we came in separate cars, and I thought Kate had the boys, and she thought I had the boys, and we got home and we drove into the driveway. And I said, where are the boys? And she said, I thought you had the boys. So then one of us had to go back to church to just pick them up because it's not good for the kids' pastor to lose the kids. (laughs) So administrative tasks are really important. But I would love to know that when families, when, when the tough gets going, 
the going gets tough, when there are challenges that we can talk with one another, we're there for one another, says a, a, a friend is there at all times, but a, a, a brother is there for adversity through the good times and the not so good times. How do we do this? And then the fourth level, which I would love, I would love this for even to be in the church. But often we only just get to level one and two. Because someone says, what have you been doing? And you can go one, two, three, and you can do all the things that you've been doing, but not really knowing what's going on in someone's world when things aren't going so well. To be vulnerable, to be open, to be honest without judging. And that's those life-giving conversations where I can know, and I know for a fact what my wife's hopes and dreams are. I want to encourage my boys to live their God-given potential. And my role as a father and my role as a husband is to ensure and try and, and make that happen, make a reality. What type of level of conversations are you having in your households? Are you just at the superficial level or are you the vulnerable, life-giving, open and honest conversations? Only you can say. And when we look at about where it starts and where it stops, it actually starts in the heart and it starts in the mind. When our, when our brain thinks well and then our heart thinks well, it has a flow on to actually have some peace. Reading from the book of Philippians. And when you see it underlined, I want you to read it out with me. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, talking to you, you and me, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The thing is, starts with the mind and into the heart. When life is chaotic, when life is not going as planned, when you had an expectation that's not meeting expectation, it can be very frustrating. When your kids are fighting or, or maybe there's some prodigals or maybe, maybe there's conflict between mum and dad and you don't want to see that anymore. Our home really is the first glimpse of who God is. What type of thing are you showing in your households? And the thing is, you've got to start thinking more positively. It's not just saying, oh, happy thoughts. You can't just do happy thoughts. But actually start looking at how grateful we are, how thankful we are. When things aren't going so well, we can actually have a sense of his peace, a peace that passes all natural understanding. In our household right now, we've got chaos. We've got absolute chaos. We've got both of our bathrooms being renovated because of black mold and leaking. It's just, it's just mess. 
And then we've got, I've got a lot of deadlines. I've been on tour. I've been doing away a lot from home. And then there's other things that are around. And, and even my wife is actually saying, you know, it'd be nice for you to be around a little bit more. But I'm sort of, it's ironic that I go and help other families and I have to <laughs> ignore my own family. It's... But then we also have another major thing is the actual, the fact is, I've got deadlines for a curriculum that I'm doing, as I said about talking about early parenting, and then I've got another one called a marriage mentoring curriculum, which is quite extraordinary. I'm really excited about that. There's lots of things, and I've got radio, and I've got, um, and I've got financial constraints and, and disciplines that I have to f for focus. But then, on top of it all, I had a marriage retreat last weekend, and I had a marriage retreat on Friday. I was speaking at two churches last weekend, and all this was how happening. And then in the mix of all, we get a phone call from my daughter-in-law, who's just beautiful, and they've announced that they've found a tumour on her kidneys. And I'm thinking, God, 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 what's going on? But you know what? Applying these things, these principles, it's not the absence of travels. It's just not. Because there's going to be conflict, there's going to be disunity, there's disharmony. But we have this incredible wave and sense of his peace. And I hope and trust that you might be going through conflict. You may be going through troubles. You may be going through a, just a time where you're going, oh God, I just want to get off this bus and get off. I just want to... And life is not like that. It's actually saying, hey... When we're talking about putting God in the center at a family altar to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, it doesn't actually say a disclaimer, but you can actually not love God when things go tough and when things go south. No, it's actually saying, I'm going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and I'm going to do life, and life is going to come at me, but I'm going to have a sense of His peace, a peace that passes our own natural understanding, our supernatural understanding, because He is the God of peace. I'm going to put on my daily armor and the shoes of peace. I'm going to be a blessed because I'm a peacemaker. And I want to exemplify the fruits of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace. There was a competition some years ago. And they, and they wanted to do a painting competition. A painting competition. And actually, who could paint the picture of peace the best. And they had all these paintings from all over the world being submitted. And there was extraordinary paintings of landscape and fluffy animals and sunsets and tranquil waters. And they were announcing who was going to win this incredible painting competition on who would depict peace the best. And it was going to be tough. And this was the painting that won. This picture of a waterfall, raging waterfall, crashing waves. There was lightning and thunder. There was just a sense of rushing water going around everywhere, everywhere. It was, and everyone's going, scratching their heads and saying, you're saying this is peace? This is not peace. This is the opposite of peace. How can you say that, that is peace? But then if you look at that little square, that red square, and then I blew up that red square and had a look at there, and I know it doesn't really show it really well, but if you look a little bit closer, you actually see a mother bird who created a nest, and she's got little chicklings. So despite the circumstances, despite everything that's going on, 
This was the award-winning painting to who could show peace the best. It's not the everything external. It's actually finding a sense of his peace. And this mother chick actually showed her little chicklings, despite life throwing all this chaos at you, we can find peace. In the last statement, I saw this. Peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of peer, but is rather the confidence that he is there with you always. If you could stand where you are. I'm sure in a house this size, this is, our, this is the family house. We're a family together. I've just joined your family just for a little while. I feel like I'm part of the family because I know some faces. But, you know, we're all family together because we're united under the banner of love with God. So I'm going to actually ask you to do something really challenging right now. I want you to get to level four straight away. I don't know you, but I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be honest and open. And as the family, as a household together, we've got each other's backs. And maybe you're going through right now some conflicts. Right now, you might be going through some financial challenges. Right now, you might be going through some health issues. Right now, you might be going through some difficulties and it's not so well in your soul. But you come to church and you wear the mask. I'm fine. I'm fine. Which stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. We wear our masks really well. But life is not so well in your soul. And I would love, I would love for the, everyone here to be able to know. You don't have to know, you don't have to declare what's going on. But if that's you, just put your hand up that life is not going so well at the moment. There'll be a few more people, I know that for a fact. Be, on, be open, be honest. And if you see someone with their hands up, I want you just to lay hands on them. Just, this is, that's all I want you to do. And we're going to pray as a family, at together, to, to, to be able to assure that we're going to be singing a song in just a few moments. It is just the chorus. It is well with my soul. I want that to be an anthem for everyone here present. So if you see someone with their hand raised and they haven't got someone with their hand on them, I pray that this is going to be your anthem that you'll be able to speak healing to speak wholeness father god i just thank you so much for everyone here present i thank you that you are the god of peace i pray holy spirit come now and minister to these people i pray holy spirit come and fill them with the knowledge that you are there no matter what's going on in their circumstances you are the great comforter you are the great counselor you are the god of peace and I pray, Holy Spirit, it may not necessarily take away the problem, it may not take away the circumstances, but they will, have a, they will be able to know that you are the God of peace that passes all natural understanding to be their portion. That they'll be able to stand up and say, hey, this is chaotic, this is, a, this is hopeless, but with you, all things are made possible. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and minister and fill them with your love, with your presence, with your peace. And I pray, Holy Spirit, come before them right now 
in Jesus' name. And let's sing this as an anthem right now. This song, it is well within my soul. It is well. Really sing it like you mean it. It is well. Despite the circumstances, it's going to be well within your soul. They're not magic. They're just supernatural transactions of people caring for one another. But I would encourage you to speak to people, just to be vulnerable. Don't be, don't be an island. We're built for relationship. We're built for community. We're built to do life together. And I would encourage you, don't just wait until it just miraculously disappears. It could and it may, but it's also good to have other people coming alongside because a problem shared is often a problem halved. It doesn't mean the problem's going away. I hope and trust that it will actually have other people to actually have peace in your households. Watching your tone, watching your volume. So as you're leaving today, I'd like to give you a gift. And you can, uh, if that, that form's coming through, I'd love to be able to send you an email very shortly. Um, there's some resources, a free resource called Talking About early parenting series coming out. Look out for that. But there's some cards you can get at the back. If you like that book, it costs $20. But ultimately, I'd like to give you this little gift. And this is what it says. Recipe to focus on your family. Number one, show appreciation. It's a really good place to start. Number two, had a conversation. Make sure it's a dialogue, not a monologue. Giving them a hug and a kiss, we need to do that more often. The kids love it when they see mum and dad kissing and cuddling. They might say, oh, get a room. And I say, absolutely. Number four, needed to say you're sorry. Even if you're at 5% at fault, own your 5%. And don't say, because you made me, to spoils and negates the thing. Own the bits that you can own. Number five, told them that you love them. We, say it, we need to say it more often. Number six, prayed for them. It's very hard to hold a grudge when you're praying for somebody. And finally, have some fun together as a family. It says in the scriptures, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. May it be medicine in your household, having laughter, having fun. And may God bless you as you start your new family in a new place. But remember, buildings don't change churches. It's what happens inside them can and will. God bless you.
Amen. Wow. Hey, aren't we so blessed? Um, you know, focus, focus on the family is doing a very, very necessary good work uh, here in Australia. I'm so thankful for Brett um, and what he's doing. Can I encourage you guys to take those, um, those points, those fridge magnets back? There's also um, free Dunkin', no, free Krispy Kreme donuts, everybody. Uh, take a good look around this place. Next week, we are somewhere else. God bless you. We will see you next week, Saturday and Sunday. Um, invite your friends. God bless. Take care.